The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Tuesday, September 19th. And today is that's right. Oh, yeah. It's talk like a pirate day. That's right. It's National IT Professionals Day, National Butterscotch Pudding Day, and, oh, yeah, Gretchen, it's your favorite. It's National Voter Registration Day. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there at the top-hand corner of your screen to see we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And we're streaming on Facebook. We're on Twitter and uh, Rumble and, uh, and Twitch. And Twitch. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're getting, we're getting this real pretty techie over here, you guys. I hope you all are ready. But I'm going to kick it off today. Good morning, Gretchen. How are you today? fine okay good all right Gretchen, Gretchen's fine everybody that's, that's great it's great she's got her camo on this oh. is, no, I like this is Bigfoot oh it's Bigfoot Bigfoot Big, cannabis Bigfoot cannabis oh man Sasquatch they were a very nice brand that I met uh when I was out visiting in California did they look like, like Sasquatch no they did not but I'm a big fan of Sasquatch they're big they got, they got them Sasquatch buds mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But, but you blend into the background. It's hard to see you. You really do. She, she's a she's a blender. She she loves blending. But uh, was that that was was that that mythical outdoor amazing weed that you saw out there? No, or? no. There's no such thing as amazing <laughs> weed up there. Stop the cap. Not even not even no. mythical. No, no, no. no. Unicorns aren't living up there. Oh, you outdoor haters. Mm-hmm. One day, one day, <laughs> outdoor is gonna rise up and you're gonna regret it. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Oh man. You know what? I'll tell you what. Who is rising up? Because I find this extremely amazing. Because man, their pullout game was so fast. Cure Leaf. Marijuana retail employees in Phoenix return to work after a one-day strike. This is hysterical to me. Workers at Cureleaf Holdings Marijuana Store in Central Phoenix went out on a day-long strike Friday to protest a wrongful termination and operational policies, organizers told MJ Biz Daily. In conjunction with the strike, the UFCW, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 99, held a rally and news conference outside the store, urging New York based marijuana multi-state operator to reinstate a fired worker and advance union contract negotiations. Employees at Cureleaf Midtown voted in June of 2022 to unionize, but have yet to finalize a contract according to a news release and the National uh, Labor Relations Board, an independent federal agency that protects the rights of private sector employees to collectively bargain, has issued a complaint alleging that Cureleaf Midtown terminated a worker for her union activity and charged and changed policies without negotiating with the union. In a quote, while we believe that a direct relationship with our team members is the best route for us to work together, we respect the voices of our team members and will negotiate with union leaders in good faith, Kiraleaf said in a statement. And we know our team members, our business, and our patients and customers depend on a positive work environment, and we are committed to a collaborative culture that allows our team to feel heard, supported, and respected. Now, that is a quote from Cureleaf. 
Okay, you guys. That's, that's <laughs> exactly, Todd. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Workers who went on strike on Friday returned to their jobs the following day, according to UFCW Local 99. It was at least the second cannabis work stoppage of 2023 following a 13-day strike by Green Thumb Industries workers in the Chicago area in May. Cureleaf workers have been unionizing nationwide in the past few years in June. And for example, every retail employee at Cureleaf stores in New Jersey voted to join UFCW Local 360. Cureleaf workers have also joined unions in Illinois and Massachusetts, and UFCW Local 99 is Arizona's largest private sector union, representing 25,000 workers throughout the Southwest. And UFCW International counts more than 1.3 million members nationwide. But I'll tell you what, man, this pullout game was fast. These guys went on strike for one day, and I'm willing to get the bet that they didn't get anything done because this article doesn't even rec- recognize the fact that they got anything that they were really asking for. What do you guys say? This is Jason Beck for the high at nine news hour. This is just just crazy to me. Go on strike for yeah. one day. I think there was Russian interference. I don't know. Like <laughs> there was Russian interference. Uh, there was a little Russian <laughs> spy balloon. Do you have any actual knowledge of what they were asking for? Uh, yeah, my story yesterday said that they were they were asking for this employee to be rehired for starters. Mm-hmm. And um, if I remember correctly, they were also asking um, something about, about hours, if I remember correctly. But, but the main thing was this fired employee. They felt that she was terminated unjustly because of her activism around trying to get everyone to unionize. Mm. Good way to stop unions from organizing is get rid of the organizer. I mean, you know, it's, that is That's true. A typical tactic. I mean, it works. It yeah, works. Sure I mean, she, she, she's gone. And, and if you th- if you think about it, it really did work because they went on strike one day and they're already back the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if these people had any backbone. If the UFCW is really involved, I don't expect them to just roll over. So I think we may hear more coming out of this. Jason, you back. think this don't is going to be a so continuing happy ongoing and saga? Lodi, Lodi, as you love to be. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, I think it's ongoing. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I, I do think there's going to be some type of follow-up story, but uh, I just I find it very funny that they went on strike for one day and then all of a sudden they're back to work. I, that that just seems like that was pointless to strike in the first place. They should have just stayed working. Did the girl yeah. get reinstated? The article does not mention that, Todd, at all. There is, and I was looking for another article that mentioned that, and I don't not seeing anything anywhere in regards to that. Right. Well, that seems like the only reason they would stop, right? Uh, stop their strike. I mean, unless they realize that they didn't have any real argument, and that she was actually fired justly, and they're like, "Oh man, we got to pack up our stuff and go back to work." And our tail between <laughs> right. our legs. Mm-hmm. What was the original reason that Curly gave for her firing? <laughs> Um, probably she was a disgruntled employee. No, probably. I would like some facts, Jason. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't know exactly really why she was fact. I don't. I don't. I don't have that. On. I don't have that. I don't have that information for you, Gretchen. Say I don't know. Don't say. I just said. I, I just said I don't have that information for you. But I am allowed to speculate. Fake news. I am totally okay. allowed to speculate. Okay. Because that works so well in this country is speculating on the news. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Speculation. Well, I'm going to try to get some details on it. Oh, we got Zaza. What's good, Zaza? You got some details on this? No, I'm going to get some details on it and get back to y'all tomorrow. I was hoping I would have got back from New York early enough to go and stand on the picket line with a sign with them. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't. I didn't get back till last night, and now they're back at work. But I'll, I'm definitely going to be out today going to do some digging to find out exactly what's going on. And, and hopefully I have some updates for y'all guys tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to find out what only these people are going to go strike for just eight hours. You know what I mean? They couldn't even do a full 24 hours because, you know, they only strike for one day. Their eight-hour shift. Done. Maybe their signs and posters are delayed at the printer. <laughs> because they used, a, they used a union printer that was on strike too, huh, Todd? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to roll right into our feisty, redheaded conservative. That's right. It's Miss Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and happens to be rocking some camo hoodie wear 
today from her friends over at Sasquatch up in the Humboldt, Mendocino it's region. Bigfoot Cannabis, oh. not Sasquatch. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Cannabis. She's rocking their merch. Look at that. Snap a picture of Gretchen today rocking that NorCal, NorCal bling. Oh, yeah, that is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. One thing that warms my heart, other than dog clothes, are hoodies. I have a vast collection. So feel free to send them along. Send Gretchen uh, a hoodie. This gets cold on the East Coast. It does get chilly, Willie. I mean, oh. it's only 70 degrees today, and I was like, ooh, let me put on a hoodie. I'm pretty sure Chemo's going to send you a hoodie. Okay, I hope it says weed porn on it. All right. <laughs> it'll, it'll be embroidered. It'll be embroidered. Shout out Chemo. Shout out Chemo, the embroider king of, of Mendocino. <laughs> All right, my headline. Uh, Florida campaign to legalize medical marijuana home cultivation hopes to gather a million signatures at dispensaries by January. Amid a push to legalize adult-use cannabis in Florida through a ballot measure next year, activists in the state are working to qualify a separate initiative that would finally give medical marijuana patients and their caretakers the ability to grow the plant at home. Signature gathering kicked off last month and is now underway, with petitions available both online and at a number of medical marijuana dispensaries and clinics across the state. We have petitions in each, in each of the dispensary locations, Josephine Krill, who handles physician and community relations for the flowery dispensaries, told Marijuana Moment on a phone call from outside the company's Clearwater location, one of five facilities across the state. I literally just left the dispensary and I've got a big old stack of completed petitions. In addition to retailers, a number of referring clinicians have also begun hosting the signature gathering petitions. Dozens more dispensaries are set to make the petitions available later this month. Yes, we will be carrying the petitions in our store, said Sam Schwartz, Vice President of Public Affairs and Corporate Impact at Parallel, a multi-state company that operates 45 dispensaries in Florida under the Sutera Wellness brand. We are currently working through the legal and regulatory requirements for gathering signatures and hope to have the finalized in the next couple of weeks. Advocates announced the home grow measure more than a year ago, explaining that it was intended to run parallel to an industry-backed initiative to legalize marijuana for adults. Home cultivation would remain illegal under that proposal. The separate home grow initiative would allow would apply to those only enrolled in the state's medical marijuana program. It would allow patients or caretakers 21 and older to plant, tend, and harvest cannabis for medical use. Cultivation would need to take place in the grower's home and be conducted in an enclosed lockable area where marijuana is not visible to nor accessible by the public. Now organizers are prepping to turn in their first batch of voter signatures to state officials. Volunteers have been picking up signatures to turn in, said Moira Barnhart of Wise and Free Florida. Uh, the organization behind the effort. She added that the campaign is waiting on its affidavit and undue burden to be approved, which would exempt the campaign from having to pay the state to verify collected signatures. By January, we hope to get a million signatures in. That's the big goal. It will be a bit of a scramble to gather more than 890,000 valid voter signatures needed to qualify the prospective ballot measure ahead of the state's deadline early next year. But Barnhart told Marijuana Moment in an interview last month that if we have 200 locations statewide, getting 1,000 signatures a month, we'll have a million by the end of the year. Even though I know it's not exactly as cut and dry as it sounds, it keeps me going and it keeps me motivated, she said, adding that with adult use legalization looming, the measure is intended to make the medical program robust enough to withstand legalization. Barnhart is a longtime advocate for cannabis reform in florida she's a founding member of the florida chapter of women grow co-founder of the nonprofit Moms, and co-founder and executive director of the advocacy group wise florida which is affiliated with the wise and free florida campaign she said she believes patients and consumers broadly support the right to grow marijuana for personal use but she doesn't expect lawmakers to adopt the change themselves the home cultivation initiative is going to a voter petition because we saw the tallahassee was least likely to move on this issue. Lawmakers were more interested, she said, in passing a medical marijuana telehealth bill and other modifications to existing state law. The message that I keep trying to get across is everybody is necessary. If you have a local dispensary or physician's office that's engaged in cannabis, ask them to carry it. It's a matter of just printing it out and putting it on your counter. Those who download the petition online will need to print and submit a physical copy of the document. 
Campaign organizers are relying on volunteers to keep costs down. Wise and Free Florida has so far collected only $4,010 in campaign contributions, according to the Florida Department of State Elections Division. Also vying for next year's ballot is a far better financed initiative campaign, that of Smart and Safe Florida. The measure would legalize and regulate cannabis for adult use, 21 and older, but it would not legalize home cultivation. The ballot question is backed by True Leave, estimated to be the country's second largest multi-state cannabis operator with more than 180 dispensaries nationwide. Of those, 126 are in Florida. Of the more than 39 million raised by the campaign so far, all but $124.58 comes from True Leaf. True Leaf has indicated to Wise and Free Florida that the company would carry the home grow petition in its dispensaries, uh, but it's not clear that's actually happening. The company did not reply to multiple messages sent to company executives and communication staff by Marijuana Moment over the past week. More than a year ago, a True Leaf spokesperson told Marijuana Moment that the company was giving a big thumbs up to Barnhart's initiative and said that it liked the idea of letting voters decide on a home grow option. Uh, I applaud these folks. I applaud dispensaries getting behind it. I hope True Leave is true to their word and actually also getting behind it. Um, I do wish they were raising a bit more money uh, because I think if this uh, woman is uh, waiting on a thousand signatures per dispensary per month, I think she's going to be waiting a long time to get to a million. Um, so they need to put some real money behind this if they want to actually get out and get voters to sign these petitions. Uh, this is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I don't know why Cure Leaf would support it. You know, it brings people away from the dispensary, right? Not True to leaf. the dispensary. True leaf. Or True Leaf. <coughs> yeah, I don't... Uh, well, I, th I think it's silly, and frankly, for anyone to make the argument that home grow is going to take away from dispensary sales. I mean, that's just nuts. I agree. Yeah, with, I mean, it's I difficult agree with to grow at home. It's, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to do. Most people can't do it, and... Most people won't do it, uh, but those who do want to do it and can do it certainly takes away from dispensary traffic. But shout yeah, out I to. Mean, for, go ahead. Simone. I mean, I was going to say. For, I was going to say. Forget about all these arguments. This is America. This is about individual liberty. It's like if you can't, if if we're not allowed to grow our own tomatoes because it takes away from the tomato farmers, this is nuts, right? It's nuts. It's not even an argument. What are we talking about? It's grow your own shit if you want to but most people we know just don't want to do that they want to have something easy and but it's like what are we why why is this even a conversation it's like it, it's a must this is america still this is the well, usa you know, that my parents yeah. came to so that's that's what i what i think is this is just nuts america. for them to even be debating this but it's my two cents you know why i really like this this initiative is because it only allows you to cultivate home grow indoor so that means that all the people that are cultivating using using this to to have have uh have their home grows then you know it's going to be better quality because it's all grown indoors where are you getting that it's only indoor because you have to have it in the compartment it has to be you know what i mean that's that's indoor growth. no 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 it just has to be locked behind a, a gate from the public you could grow this outside i don't know can you can you can you reread the requirements can you reread the requirements thing gretchen i want to hear this again okay all right thank you all right here we go uh, cultivation would need to take place in the grower's home and be conducted in an enclosed, lockable area. In the grower's is... home. In the grower's no, home means right, indoors. Now, hold on, hold on. Enclosed. No, wait, it doesn't wait, say wait. on the on you the on. It doesn't the say on the property. It says literal... in the home. Just saying. Can I finish speaking? You of son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if you if, here is it has to take place in the grower's home is not means in indoors. the exact language the exact language is conducted in an enclosed lockable area where marijuana is not visible nor accessible by the public my reading of this is that it could be grow behind a locked gate not visible to the public i don't think this means it has to be physically inside a building if you want to go by that definition, then hire Jason Beck as your next attorney. You go should. People. You should. You should hire me as your next attorney. Yes. Attorneys S-O-B-E-S-Q. Yeah. Beck and Beck and Carl here for you. No, that's that's correct, Gretchen. You can grow it outside. You just can't be in in public view. 
And that's like, you know, since the beginning of all the medical um, regs in Colorado, you know, people were there was a lot of, um, you know, debates on whether it was OK to grow it in your property if it was visible to the to your neighbors. And there was definitely been some, you know, rulings on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like if it's in public view, um, they could come and they can mess with you. So, you know, just be smart, put it in a greenhouse. To me, Jason, that language will come more from perhaps like the caregiver model. And that's why they're saying it has to be in the grower's home. It can't be a caretaker growing it for them somewhere else and then bring it to them. That is what uh, I'm taking away from this. Well, your, your takeaway is interesting. It is very, very interesting. And I'm taking it away. I'm that, sure is a lot brighter than yours. I don't think so. I don't I do not think so. You can, you know, you can try to try to go hard, but you know, the re the reality is reality, Grown, Gretchen. Indoor booth loving. In, dispensary indoor? hater. In, you in, suck. Indoor weed is better. It just is. Okay. Ugh. It just is. Mm -hmm. You're crazy. Honestly, whatever. Can I want to do a poll. I you want to do a poll? poll? You love how a poll? How about we do a Pepsi Coke challenge, Gretchen? How about we sit there and we give you joints to smoke and you tell us which one you like the most? No, yeah, you. No, you. That's the you point. You yeah, exactly. Exactly, I, Gretchen. You, you, just, you just answered our whole question for us. Um, however, I do. I would love a poll, Jason, back of our folks, if they prefer indoor to outdoor. If you would love a poll, an indoor versus outdoor poll, yeah. well, I'll tell you, you yeah, know yeah, which yeah. one I'm voting for already. Okay. I know, but you're generally wrong. So let's I'm never what, wrong. Let's see what All right. the listeners have to say. I would love to know. I'm, I'm, Are I'm you scared of what the listeners have to say? I'm never scared of what the listeners have to say, but you know, sometimes right. so, sometimes they're wrong. The listeners in Humboldt will choose outdoor. The of course listeners they will. everywhere else will mm -hmm. choose indoor. Exactly. Exactly. Come on, all my indoor people. You know what time it is. You know indoor is far superior Come to on, outdoor Kimo, weed. Come on, where you at, baby? Come Kimo on. Kimo is not <laughs> voting for outdoor weed. Stop the cap. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you guys, you guys, we're gonna we're gonna That's watch all this I thing. Got. But this chick, they need to get their butts in gear if they really want a million signatures by the end of the year. Good luck with that. I, I don't see how they're gonna get these thousand signatures a month from these dispensaries. I think this is a flawed plan. I like. I just don't yeah. see it that like that. that that's the average. Well, of, there's over 30 million people in Florida, so well, that's well. But uh, all they got to do is go to the uh, old age uh, homes. I get it, but you need a thousand registered voters yes. walking into these dispensaries. I don't exactly. Think that. I don't think they're going to get that either. I'm with you, Gretchen. I don't think they're going to get it. I think they're going to come up they short. They need to go like you they need say, to go to Publix. They need to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. they need to go they to Publix. Need to go they need to go yeah. to. They need to go to all of these other other, other places where where you're just going to find average regular voters. That's going to be over at that side table in the True Leave dispensaries, right? They're not going to. Yeah, True Leave is True Leave is not going to participate in this. I do not. I'm not oh. buying that they're going to participate in this oh. at all. Why? Why? They gain nothing. Exactly. They gain yeah. nothing. Exactly. Exactly. They, and PR. They, well, there's nothing wrong with a little PR, and they gain, you know, respect from the fellow cannabis community if they're supporting this initiative. No, no one's going to start respecting True Leave that them. doesn't. It's not, they don't, Who cares? If it's political. I don't care as long as they're helping no. the effort oh and it looks yeah, like but, indoor poll. But are they looks like indoor i haven't poll voted poll. yet i haven't voted yet it's it, the polls we you're, got till the end of the hour so you're a late voter no that's not how it works you're not you can't just like oh you're gonna end the poll in 30 seconds so you can get the result you want <laughs> see how this is oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you want us to leave the poll up till 8 p.m or something gretchen no just keep it up Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! You guys are love you guys are silly. You guys are silly. I'm gonna roll. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna roll right into my next story. I hope you guys. Are... Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh, Pretty close. Yeah. Here so we... far. Um. Uh. A Adam, if you can pull up the picture from this story so we can show this gentleman. Oh, you guys are gonna love this. Uh, Ex councilman associate charged in alleged bribery scheme is tied to a Baldwin Park marijuana permit. Oh, boy. A former Talking. Compton City Councilman was arrested on Monday on federal charges, alleging he and a business associate paid $70,000 in bribes to a member of the Baldwin Park City Council in exchange for that official's vote and support for commercial marijuana permits. That's right. Isaac Jacob Gallivan, 36 of Compton, who served on the city council from 2013 until May 2022, was arrested at his home 
on a 10-count indictment unsealed Monday, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Special agents with the FBI and IRS Criminal Investigation Unit on Monday also arrested uh, Ying Chang by 50 of Arcadia and the owner and operator of W&F International Corporation, a diamond bar-based import-export business and a consulting client of Galavans, who allegedly helped orchestrate the scheme. The criminal indictment charges Galavan and Bai with one count of conspiracy and one count of bribery and eight counts of honest services wire fraud. Oh, boy. Both defendants entered uh, not guilty pleas during the arraignment hearing in Los Angeles uh, federal court and were granted release on unsecured bonds. A tentative trial date is set for November 14th. And uh, Donald, always assistant director in charge of the FBI's Los Angeles field office, said the FBI arrested Gallivan for allegedly using his position of power to bribe an elected city official in order to enrich himself and a client. In a quote, as these uh, actions erode the public's trust and harm the communities these officials were elected to serve, FBI Los Angeles will continue to investigate them and those individuals who enable their corrupt schemes. Always said in a statement. That's an interesting name, Donald Always, as an FBI agent. Hmm. In June 2017, Baldwin Park began permitting the cultivation, manufacture, and distribution of marijuana within its city limits. Soon afterward, then, Baldwin Park City Councilman Ricardo Pacheco, 60 of Baldwin Park, began soliciting bribes from businesses seeking marijuana development agreements and related permits to, in the city, according to court documents. In exchange for the illicit uh, payments, Pacheco agreed to use his position in the city government to assist the companies with obtaining marijuana permits, including voting in their favor. Federal prosecutors said, according to the indictment, Galavan uh, first paid Pacheco a $10,000 bribe in August of 2017 to secure Pacheco's support for a future consulting client's marijuana permit. Then after securing buys a company WNF as a client, Galavan facilitated $70,000 in bribes from buy to Pacheco. Pacheco served on Baldwin Park City Council from 1997 until his resignation back in June of 2020, and he was the city's mayor pro tem back in 2018. Galavan allegedly paid the bribes in exchange for Pacheco's political support of a promise to deliver Baldwin Park's approval of marijuana permits for W&F. And Pacheco then delivered voting in favor of WF's marijuana permit and later voting in favor of WNF's bid to relocate its operations. Throughout the scheme, Galavan and Bay allegedly took steps to cover up their illegal payments to Pacheco by concealing Bay and WNF's connection to the payments for Pacheco. For example, Bay collected checks from checks from third parties who owed him money and then at Galavan's direction gave Galavan the checks with blank payee lines. Galavan then gave the checks to Pacheco, who then arranged for them to be cashed either by him or by third parties. If convicted on all charges, Galavan and, and Bay would face up to five years in federal prison for the conspiracy count, up to 10 years for the bribery count, and up to 20 years in prison for each honest services wire fraud count, prosecutors said. Pacheco pleaded guilty in June 2020 to one count of bribery for accepting tens of thousands of dollars in bribes, including $20,000 in cash from a Baldwin Park police officer working at the FBI's direction in exchange for the councilman's political support of the Baldwin Park Association's contract with the city. Pacheco's sentencing hearing is scheduled for June 17th, and in November of 2022, prosecutors secured a guilty plea to a bribery charge from Gabriel Chavez, 66, of Upland, a former San Bernardino County Planning Commissioner who admitted to funneling bribes through his company to Pacheco in exchange for the politician's vote and influence over the city's cannabis permitting process. Chavez's uh, sentencing hearing is scheduled for December 11th, and according to U.S. Attorney's Office, both Chavez and Pacheco have signed plea agreements in which they have agreed to cooperate in the government's ongoing investigation. In another case, Galavan and five others were charged in 2021 with conspiracy in what prosecutors said was a scheme to rig a runoff election to ensure Galavan would retain his seat.
well, 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 lots of corruption going on out here in Compton. Man, oh, man, oh, man. What do you guys think about this? I think anytime you have these local politicians involved with making decisions, you know, you run the risk of all of this happening. You know, this happened big time in, uh, in uh, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the uh, whole program was run by the Department of Taxation, the guy in charge of uh, taxation, uh, Jorge Pupo, did exactly the same thing. You know, he went to the guys with all the money and uh, took bribes. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a bummer when you give the power of all of these, this licensing you know, to these local politicians. That's why local control is bad. The League of Cities is the ones that wanted that. It's all these, you know, county officials and all of these other folks that, uh, you know, it should be a state rule and not a county thing. What do you think about all these bribes and them accepting all this cash for all these bribes, Gretchen? Typical. Typical. Yeah. yeah. Typical. Okay. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's typical. Very, very typical. Just sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very sad. Oh boy. Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. I actually knew this guy. I met this guy back in the beginning of legalization. Shocker! <laughs> I knew you were going to say something along those lines, Gretchen. But yeah, no, I met I met this guy. I had a couple of conversations with him. I was like, oh man, this guy this guy is uh, not going to be good news for whoever partners up with this guy. That's for sure. But uh, he was definitely definitely soliciting some schemes in in some of my conversations. At least it seemed like that. Yeah. Oh, uh. Well, I just want to say I'm glad this at least with this bribery they got bribed with some money. Our our city council got bribed with ten thousand dollars in donated trees to Tucson Tree Society for a license. Wow. So so was trees? Hold on. So so trees so Zaza, trees. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Trees for trees, right? Is that the nonprofit? Trees for trees. No. No. Tucson Tree Society. You know the trees that you plant out on the sidewalk? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Our that... city counts. Tr- trees for Dave, trees. Who's being cheeky? Jaja, he's making a joke. He's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, these were not smoke that, that they got donated in our city, but for $10,000 in donated trees to Tucson Tree Society, our city council actually sat and said, oh, well, we know that this is Probably a story. We know that they probably got it on a from a one sided deal, but we just want to do something with this space. And they decided that they would donate ten thousand dollars in trees to Tucson Tree Society. So we gave them the permit. Oh man, they wanted those trees. I mean, it does get hot out there in Arizona, Zaza. So I can see why they would want them trees for those shady sidewalks. Sure. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that happens a lot in Nevada too, right, Todd? At least it was oh. a nice, like, environmental-friendly bribe. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the greenies. Okay. There's, yeah. levels. There's levels. There's levels to this, to this. Shit, man. I, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm learning some shit. Maybe I'm going to start bri- bribing politicians with trees. Here, we'll go and carbon plant credits, them for Jason. you. Yeah, carbon credits. On that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm Either way, the trees cost money, right? So it's still money involved. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I, know, yeah. Some, I know somebody at a nursery. I can get a discount, Todd. Of course. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I like company gives away trees for free, and they and they plant them for you also. See, I'm going to subcontract with these guys to, to fill all my bribing needs with all these politicians, and they're just going to do the work for free, and I'm just going to win licenses. Yeah, there you go. That's the, I think that's the way to go, Zaza. Mm. Can you put me in touch with them? <laughs> oh, man. Nope. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to go right into a commercial. We're going to be right back. Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you smash that like button if you haven't already. YouTube would really appreciate it, and we would really appreciate it. 
Also, too, make sure you check out our website, www.hyatt9news.com, where you can find all of the stories that we cover here. You can read them. You can share them with your friends, all that good stuff. You can even comment them right on the website. Also, too, make sure you subscribe to our channel if you have not subscribed already. And a big welcome to all of our viewers watching us on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, and Rumble. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh yes, coming up next is Mr. Saman Razani. He's a cannabis formulation expert whose cannabis formulations Remind women over 50 how to say hello again. That's right. It's none other than the Mr. Saman Rizani. Hello again. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Tuesday. Uh, thanks for everyone joining today. I got some uh, something, you know, on, on the other end of the spectrum, some education uh, on cannabis. And uh, this one's coming from Missouri. Um, this article is from the Salem News Online. Uh, we have our friend Karina Hernandez, who is a student at uh, St. Louis Community College. Karina Hernandez's ideal work environment is surrounded by plants and with her hands in the dirt. Although she's already a biology, she already has a biology degree. She recently uh, decided to go back to school and take classes in horticulture at St. Louis Community College in Merrimack, at the state largest horticulture program. She was surprised to see courses on hemp and cannabis cultivation on the list. On the first day of her introduction to cannabis course this semester, she and her fellow classmates shared what they wanted to take away from the class. It's a growing industry, and it's cool to be at the forefront, Hernandez said, as long as I'm not sitting at a desk, and I feel like that's a lot of people here. Many of the classmates agreed that cannabis market might uh, just might be their ticket to a career working in plant science. Student interest is likely why the number of cannabis certificate programs at colleges has rapidly expanded in Missouri. A majority of the programs are online courses, but some, including the one at Merrimack, as provide, are providing hands-on instruction using hemp plants. Now, for the first time, beginning the semester, Missouri students can, go, uh, can get a bachelor's degree in cannabis and natural medic uh, medicinals at Truman State University in Kirksville. Everybody that we've talked to who's currently in the industry are all really excited about the potential of having students who are coming out of the under coming out with an undergraduate degree, said Tim Walston, Truman's Dean of Science and Mathematics, and that they could take their take into their workforce right away. Marijuana sales in Missouri have been averaging about one hundred and twenty million dollars a month since March. That means the Missouri industry will easily surpass one billion dollars in its first year of recreational marijuana sales. A booming industry means more jobs. Since November, the Missourians voted to pass a constitutional amendment legalizing recreational marijuana. The number of licensed marijuana employees has increased by nearly 8,000, bringing the total up to 17,615 employees statewide, according to the state's August report. I have companies contacting me constantly saying we are looking for X, Y, and Z employee, says Stacy Gudluski manager of the St. Louis University Cannabis Science and Operations Online Certificate Program. I am sharing job opportunities constantly with the students, and the students are reporting uh, back getting hired within the industry before even graduating the program. Preparing the students for green jobs, St. Louis University was among the fir uh, first two Missouri colleges to launch online cannabis certificate programs in 2020, along with Northwest Missouri State University. Gudluski said SLU was nudged to do so by Mitch Myers with St. Louis-based Belief Medical, the first medical marijuana company to begin operations in the state. It was Mitch Myers of Belief who actually came to St. Louis University and said, you know, we're about to go medically legal. We need to educate the employees of the industry. And, you know, why not us SLU, Gudluski said. And it's now SLU's most popular professional studies program. 
What makes their program unique, Aluski said, is the number of experts in the field who teach the courses, including Kayla Brown, Director of Human Resources, Compliance and Legal at Vibe Cannabis in St. Louis. The majority of questions that I get are, how did you get into the industry and how should I do it, Brown said. The program does a great job of giving them such a full spectrum of options. This semester, Metropolitan State Community College in Kansas, uh, in Kansas City rather, launched an online program partnering with California-based company Greenflower. Students can get three certificates, including for cannabis cultivation specialist, cannabis retail specialist, and for cannabis extraction and product development specialist. Both Truman and St. Louis Community College say that uh, say what sets their programs apart is the fact that students can work directly with hemp plants. Because the institutions receive federal funding, they can't use marijuana plants in its instruction. However, in 2018, with the passing of the Farm Bill, took hemp off the federal, federal controlled substances list, and that makes hemp plants a good substitute. We, because it's cannabis. <laughs> we actually work with live hemp plants during this program, which is unique, said Patrick Vogan, assistant professor of horticulture. We really do think hemp, uh, that hemp will help to prepare students. The college first offered its intro into cannabis in the fall of 2021, and last spring, the college added a cannabis and hemp cultivation class. Vogan co-taught the cultivation course with the manager of the cultivation facility, which they'll do again this year. Now, this fall, the college has added an, an extraction class. <clears throat> St. Louis Community College is hoping to soon gain approval of its program from the Missouri Department of Higher Education and Workforce Development, Bogan said. So far, the department has approved two cannabis programs statewide. Truman said the Southwest, uh, sorry, Southeast Missouri State University in Cape Gir uh, Girardeau. At Southwest, horticulture and cannabis is an option within the agribusiness bachelor program, and it was added to the added in June of 2022. It's not a full program like Truman's, a department spokesman said. Um, Southwest programs focus on preparing students for green jobs that include sustainable food horticulture and greenhouse management. Truman aims to distinguish itself by focusing on natural medicines and holistic healing in its program as well. We do want to focus on cannabis, Walston said, but there's also a growing industry of other natural medicinals, um, things like essential oils and plant-based medicines. The degree program would provide a foundation for students to explore the scientific, cultural, and legal backgrounds of natural medicines, he said. A lot of it has been around this, a lot of this has been around for centuries or millennia, he said, but people are now just starting to go back. And uh, that's my story today. Thank you guys for joining. This is Saman Razani with High 9 News. What do you guys think of uh, the higher education proliferation through this country uh, with regards to cannabis? And uh, does anybody have any ideas uh, where else in the world they're, um, you know, studying or teaching and training on cannabis? Yeah, it's, it's starting to ease its way into uh, colleges around the country. I think it's great. I think it's the, it's the fastest growing uh, job sector. Oh, people should be trained, you know, to get into this industry. It's a real industry. And uh, I would love to hire experienced people. Wouldn't you, Jason? <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt, Todd. I mean, I, yeah. I, th I think this is great overall for the industry because we definitely need a train, trained workforce to really to execute on these uh, on all these different uh, positions uh, throughout throughout yeah. all parts of the supply chain. So I, I do think that this is that this is fantastic. Um and, and I'm all for this this type of thing to, to train the general public because a lot of people think they know cannabis but don't have a clue about cannabis. Don't have a clue. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, I hire uh, chemists and, uh, and microbiologists uh, for the lab. And for them to have some cannabis experience coming into the lab would be ideal. It'd be perfect. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, Simon, you asked where some other programs are. Um, I know that uh, Cornell offers, uh, this is an advanced degree in their business school and cannabis. Uh, SUNY in New York has also got some programs. And I know uh, specifically the HBCUs um, across the country have been starting to embrace the hemp sector. Salem! Get them, Salem. Get them. She's going after the mailman. Yeah, um, get so there, bow tie. there are a number of... Uh, different uh schools that are getting on board um as for an actual like undergraduate degree in cannabis uh i don't know of any these are all like supplemental programs that i know of 
Yeah, I think uh, I think I heard of a uh, Lake Superior um, State University back in the day, like uh, I, I want to say like 2019, maybe maybe it was 2018 uh, started their program. I know that it's been a it's been a thing, but it's good to see like a horticultural program, you know, specifically designed for that. I know Cornell, you, you mentioned, I think that's a business program, right? It's like yeah, can, it's a, a can a business, which obviously is important, too. But I mean. Hey, you know, if you can't if you can't figure out how to grow the plant right and uh, create a healthy environment for your plants, I think, uh, you know, that's step one in this industry. So I'm glad to see it. And uh, it makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we see some, some the new the new professionals rising from the from these universities and, uh, you know, taking us into the new era. I know the College of other Nevada State is also working on a more research oriented cannabis degrees. Now, there's a list here <clears throat> that says uh, University of Maryland, University of Arizona, Colorado State, Lake Superior State University, yeah. Edgar Evers, Syracuse University, <laughs> University of Colorado, Niagara College, the list goes on and on and on. There's like uh, 20 colleges here, yeah, uh, as well as the uh, College of so Southern Nevada, as well as uh, teaching how to grow and you know, retail side of things. I wonder, I wonder they have all these colleges. Where are they actually getting all these educators that actually, actually know the space? <laughs> That's a really well, good question. Well, you know, they're coming really from the industry. As, as the article mentioned, uh, the human resources manager from Vibe Cannabis is teaching uh, one of these classes or, or something. So, you know, it's a uh, human resources manager. I, hey, look, you know, I'm a not human hate, resources I'm not gonna, manager. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. The HR chick is teaching, you know, how to grow. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, compliance <laughs> programs they can learn, Jason Beck. Get a grip. I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to hate, but I'm, I'm not hating. Like, I'm just you know, being. I'm just living in reality. Uh, obviously, like obviously, obviously, there's got to be a like a. You know, something to persuade some of these cannabis professionals to get into the higher education, um, you know, uh, world and and start to to teach and to to develop and disseminate some of their information to these to these youngsters and uh, to grow them. I mean, the point the problem is, you know, um, it's like who has access to do that or who wants to do that. I mean, you've got to take a completely different path if you want to become a an educator. I think we all educate people and, you know, always like train people and stuff like that. So this is just, you know, this is just focusing on that. Um, and I think a lot of people would be great educators and teachers. I think there's, you know, some great ones on this show. I think someone could learn something from you, Jason. I think, I think even you, oh, amazing. Yeah. Look at that. Um, oh, I, I do know that, uh, like you, Dr. Sue Sisley, she works with the Humboldt state program. So it's definitely folks who are stepping in on kind of like a guest professor yeah. basis. This is not, she sounds, she sounds underqualified to me. That's all that I I'm think. Saying. I think Gretchen should go teach people what good cannabis is. I think that's, yeah, I right. That should be Gretchen doesn't even I smoke think, weed like that. Dr. Gigi, we'll call it Dr. Gretchen Gigi. Gretchen smokes outdoor and her eyes get red. <laughs> you have never even seen me smoke a damn thing. Are you serious? So. We have footage. Exactly, we that's have footage. the point. We, I have video footage of this. <laughs> oh, please. I'm talking about in person. I, that, that is in person to me. I live in a digital age. Oh, because you chemo, just chemo, love living in fantasy tough? land. <laughs> chemo, does she pop tough? Please tell us. I did not smoke in front of chemo either. Oh, you didn't smoke in front of chemo? You can, you can ask Nicole. Nicole Were you ashamed? Were you ashamed for... to smoke in front of chemo? No, I just, you it's the middle of my day. I was doing oh, shit. No, I had things day. to do. I had to go speak. Mm -hmm. I never, No offense, I had no time I had to, to speak to chemo. I had to inform them on federal policy. That's you what to, I was working on. You had to go educate there. them. You had to go educate yes. them. Yes. So I had no time. I I wish I had 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 time to light up with chemo. And that would make your day, Jason Beck. It would have. It would have. It would have made chemo's instead, day more than I, anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just had to settle for a nice little... Peck on the cheek. I bet. I bet. That, lo <laughs> that looked like a peck on the cheek. Uh, but no, 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 nonetheless, we're gonna we're gonna keep this keep this party rolling. We're gonna go right in to Mr. Todd Dankin. He is the founder and owner of Digipath Labs, a place to test all of your cannabis in the great state of Nevada. He's also the creator of the Smuggleverse, a digital online platform for you to buy digital weed or digital trees, should we say. It is none other than the voice himself, Mr. Todd Dankin. And the crowd goes wild. Thank you, Jason. Uh, my story today comes from High Times, and uh, it's more weed getting busted at the border. Border Patrol intercepts nearly $10 million at the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas. 
A massive bust at the U.S.-Mexico border in Laredo, Texas, was announced last Friday, and law enforcement agents presented the seizure with stacked bales of cannabis and a wall-like structure that was posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. I wonder how long we have to say formerly known as Twitter whenever we say the word X at this point. In a single swoop, U.S. Customs and Border Protection Office of Field Operations officers assigned to the World Trade Bridge seized over two tons of cannabis. Border agents searched a suspected freight truck and found it was loaded with 4,466 pounds of pot with a street value of nearly $10 million. The bus took place last Thursday, September 14th, at the World Trade Bridge in Laredo. CP, a CBP officer flagged a 2023 Freightliner tractor trailer that claimed to ship home goods for a secondary inspection. After a thorough examination using the Border Patrol's non-intrusive inspection system, CBP officers discovered 177 packages containing a total of 4,466 pounds of alleged cannabis within the trailer. Law enforcement agents say it has a street value of $9.9 million, outlined in a September 15th news release. Our CBP officers continue to maintain strict vigilance in our cargo environment, and this week they came up big with a seizure of more than two tons of marijuana at Port Director Albert Flores, Laredo Port of Entry. We have not seen as much marijuana lately compared to the harder narcotics, it underscores the ever-changing nature of the drug threat our officers face on a daily basis, he added. CBP agents are primarily concerned with cannabis and drugs that are headed into the country instead of headed the other way. The photo shows the packages containing 4,466 pounds of cannabis seized by CBP officers at World Trade Bridge. CBP agents seized the cannabis and Homeland Security Investigation Special Agents are currently investing, uh, investigating the seizure. CBP is the unified border agency within the Department of Homeland Security charged with comprehensive management, control, and protection of our nation's borders, combining customs, immigration, border security, and agricultural protection at and in between official ports of entry. CBP is one of the world's largest law enforcement organizations with the primary goal of keeping terrorists and their weapons out of the U.S., but also enforcing law of international travel and trade. Cannabis seizures along the U.S.-Mexico border, which stretches nearly 2,000 miles, and there isn't a wall, Jason Beck, have actually fallen dramatically in recent years, aligning neatly with adult-use cannabis laws in the West. Seizures fell from about 1,350 metric tons in 2013 to around 70 metric tons in 2022, according to CBP statistics. Now, the U.S. border is not the only borderline we need to worry about in 2023. In 2019, Border Patrol seized $100,000 worth of cannabis in upstate New York near Canada. Border Patrol agents and police officers seized approximately 50 pounds of cannabis in upstate New York in a 2019 traffic stop near the U.S.-Canadian border. Officials estimated the value of the pot at more than $100,000, according to a press release from the CPB. Up north, some people are doing it by accident. The Canada, border, the Canada Border Services Agency released a press release on June 26th as a reminder for people traveling for the holidays that no cannabis is allowed to cross the border. A section entitled, I quote, Cannabis, don't bring it in, don't bring it out, or don't take it out. It refers to the restrictions of cannabis being brought across the border bringing cannabis across the border in any form, including oils containing THC or CBD, without a permit or exemption authorized by Health Canada, is a serious criminal offense subject to arrest and prosecution, despite the legalization of cannabis in Canada. A medical, a medical prescription from a doctor does not count as Health Canada or authorization. So we got weed coming in from the north. We got weed coming in from the south. Um, it's all boof weed. Who's buying this weed, right? Uh, I'm Todd Dankin with uh, Hyatt Nine News. See you guys. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Todd. I'm still trying to figure it out because some of the pictures I've seen, this looks like straight, straight bammer, bammer weed, like old school yeah. '80s weed, seed sticks right. and stems. And I'm just wondering where it was going. 
And no, I don't know. It must be really cheap. Maybe they're making extracts or edibles or something like that. But I don't know who's smoking it. They're turning it into distillate. They got to be right. <laughs> I mean, nah, distillate <laughs> prices are down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're still they're still distillate prices are still higher than Bammer weed prices, though. I I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, look, there's a there's you know, there's a global cannabis market and it's growing everywhere. And I mean, historically where, you know, they've been growing it in Mexico a lot. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, someone's going to try to try to, you know, maneuver, you know, their weight, but it's come, it's like, it's competing now with just this overgrown industry here. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that we're, we're just doomed to, to see this, um, you know, this commodity pricing in the future for, you know, everything except for like indoor super quality genetics um, that you see. And I think that's still going to be something that's um, that's going to continue. But like even the really good Humboldt weed, because there is good sun grown weed. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not sure. going to front like there's good sun grown weed. We all know that we only joke around here. Um, so shout out to all the like the Humboldt, Mendocino and Trinity growers. You know, those guys have been doing great work. But but that that quality is even tarnished and diminished by all of this other overgrowth of just boof weed. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate, but this is just how, you know, economics works. This is like, you know, it's the market's cornered now. So it's uh, we're, we're going to see more of this until they totally open it up. And then there's probably going to be, you know, um, I'm sure an international cannabis brand coming out of uh, out of uh, Latin America that's you know, growing the same quality that we're seeing coming across this border. Oh man. I mean, yeah, my big question is who's, who's buying this, who wants to smoke this stuff? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, is it just being sold on the street or are they making I, I'm shit willing from to bet. Yeah, black I'm, market still exists, Todd. I'm I mean, willing yeah, to but bet. Even in the black market, you can get pretty good weed. I'm willing to bet. <laughs> you know Todd, I mean? I'm willing to bet Todd that this was all getting sent up to Canada. This was on its way to Canada. That's my guess. All the way to Canada, up to and the. What north. are they doing it? What are they doing with it in Canada? Well, the Canadian dollar is worth less than the U.S. dollar, and so therefore they should be buying lesser quality of weed. <laughs> well, they already are because they're in Canada. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. See that, that, that you, 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 very good. You, you got you hit the nail on the head, Todd. I'm impressed. Oh, there right you there. go. I'm impressed. Um, I just wonder how much other drugs actually got through if this is only what they caught because it doesn't say that they caught that that they, they caught anything else they're just referencing the cannabis that was seized yeah. and generally they they will pay people and we like hey or you get all this across the border then this is this is your take and so this is someone's take so how big was the actual shipment that they didn't get yeah who knows who knows they say that coke now is the uh is on the rise and is the uh, biggest item coming across the border. Mm, I mean, it's possible. It is possible. I would say fentanyl is probably the biggest thing coming across the border, though, more than anything. But sad, yeah, sad state it's, of affairs. It's pretty, it's very I think sad. the fentanyl is being made here, but it is pretty um, – I mean, it is that, coming across the border. That, that, Ooh, that's, that, a, that's interesting. That's an interesting that thing. Is, that is, like too, it. but actually, actually fentanyl um, actually is made in China and then shipped to Mexico and then smuggled across the border into the U.S. That's the actual track. I don't know. Have you been in New Mexico? Huh? Yeah, right, yeah, right <laughs> up to – from Mexico to New Mexico. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you what, this is, this, is, this is a really great last story to end on today, you guys. I think you're going to love this. Gretchen, this one is for you, okay? Critis criticisms. Oh, no, Jason Beck, we have two minutes to go. I got other places to be. Don't start another damn story. Oh, I have to, I have to do this story, Gretchen. If you All have right, to go, well, it's okay. I don't report to go. I have to go. All right. So, People demand more yes. information. Take a look at those poll results before you get into more. You the polls. You lost. You lost. You lost. You lost. You lost. Indoor for the win. Gretchen was over there stuffing the ballot box. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I was whipping the I have video of it. Video. We have video. Yeah, I bet. Criticism of thousands the Office of Cannabis of Management is scrubbed. 50-50, people. He doesn't want to say it out loud. Oh, God. Stop it. <laughs> Criticisms of the Office of Cannabis Management scrubbed from public video. Gretchen, this is your favorite 
there's your Dude, people right go. here. Yep. We've lost millions of dollars, they said, and we've done everything right, and I can't feed my children. Tess Enderchilia, a cannabis farmer, told the Cannabis Control Board at a contentious meeting in Albany on September 12th. She says, I sold my tractors to to run the farm in January, and it's now September. I have nothing left to sell, she says. But intellectualist comments and the 39 others made at the same meeting are not online. The entire public comment period was removed from the video when it was posted on YouTube by the Office of Cannabis Management on Monday. OCM's Cannabis Management Board approved regulations last Tuesday that will open applications to the wider public public on October 4th, including for more growers, retailers, and medical marijuana companies. But with the state rollout mirrored in problems, 40 people signed up to share public comments that were often critical of the state's efforts so far. Two years after the office, OCM uh, was formed. Only 23 stores have opened, and new stores are currently blocked from opening by a court injunction. Farmers are sitting on hundreds of thousands of pounds of weed rotting in storerooms, and many are weary of corporate medical marijuana companies that are more capitalized and poised to enter the market under more favorable terms, as the city previously reported. But the hours of public comments largely critical of the missteps and more are missing from the video posted online by the state agency. In a quote, they say, they should have posted all of the meeting, including the public comment portion. Kristen O'Neill, the assistant director of the Committee of Open Government, told the city in order to be compliant with the state's open meeting law. Under the open meetings law, state agencies must must stream public meetings and then post them online in a reasonable time frame. The committee is responsible for oversight of that law, and which Jeff Jones, another licensed cultivator, noticed that the public comments section was missing. He reached out to Aaron Gleckman, uh, the spokesperson for the Office of Management on Monday afternoon. And in a quote says, Howdy, Aaron. What's the scrubbing of public comments from the OCM's post of last week's OCB meeting? In question mark, wrote Jones, who is the public policy committee for the Cannabis Farmers Alliance? And Gelman replied, trying not to amplify the threats of self-harm violence that occurred during the meeting, the city says. And then Jones told the city that, in quotes, this is part of many farmers' reality, as it is for many farmers around the world. During their comments, in, in Inter, Inter Chalia said that he said, said she'd had to do a wellness check on a on a farmer who was struggling. Another cannabis farmer, Jeanette Miller, told the board, "I wrote, I I wore a noose around my neck today because I feel like I'm going to hang myself." Word spread of the missing comments in social media posts and texts on Monday, and the explanation that Gilman gave. She did not did not sit well with Nicole Ritchie, the president of New York Small Pharma Limited, which advocates for a, a socially just and inclusive cannabis community. Ritchie also spoke at the public comment period on September 12th, and Ritchie emailed Chris Alexander, the executive director of the Office of Cannabis Management, on Monday afternoon with her concerns, and in a quote says, These people do not deserve to be shamed. And this topic does not deserve to be silenced, Richie wrote in an email reviewed by the city. Silencing our license, licenses struggling with such an overwhelming and emotional state of mind is really unconscionable, she says. I'm asking you to release the comments immediately, she says. After the city contacted the agency about the video and shared comments of the Committee on Open Government, uh, Gelton said in a statement that the Office of Cannabis Management is in the process of editing the video of the recent Cannabis Control Board meeting to remove a short section during which an individual made a threat of self-harm and violence. Gelman continued, the full video, absent these comments, will be posted once the editing process is complete, they said. Well, well, well. New York, they're trying to silence the people expressing their minds so then that way people can see what they had to say. What do you guys think about this? I don't know. New York is so fucked up. <laughs> Everything they try to do in the cannabis uh, uh, space has just been just absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They just can't get their shit together. Why can't why can't they just copy another state's rules and regs? I don't understand why they feel like they have to make everything up from zero. You know? 
because because they're New York and they're like that's what they want to do. They're like, oh, no one tells New Yorkers what to do. Yada yada. yada. I know, right? Yeah. Because if you could make it there, yeah, exactly, you could make, you could it, make anywhere. it anywhere. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. You have any thoughts of this, Saman? Before we wrap this up. I mean, yeah, it's like I just got my popcorn out. I'm just wait. I'm just watching. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just watching. Man, I can't believe that they edited the video and took out people's comments. I like. I I think that might be a violation, and I I find it very interesting Definitely. that they're trying to hide around uh, someone saying that they're going to harm themselves on a, on a video as the reason for editing it out. I find that very interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just a joke. Like Eric Adams is a joke. Like it's all a joke. Like, you know, everything, everything out of these people's mouths are, is insane. Yeah. I just, I, I, I feel bad for the people out there trying to make it. I feel bad for these farmers. I mean, you know, this is like, this is this is just sad this is the plight of the american farmer right mm-hmm. here it's like you got to sell your shirt off your back and then you think you're going to make it back you know the next the next season and you can't even plant your crop yep. i mean this is a travesty and uh, they're doing it to themselves they just really need to take a step back and i think uh reevaluate kind of how they're approaching all this but hey man you know it's it's out of our hands this is why bureaucracy is such a sham Yep. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all for getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience uh, supporters for tuning in, listening to what is the developing insanity of the cannabis industry. Huge thank you to all of our sponsors. All of thank you to you guys at home watching, tuning in. And thank you to Todd and Saman for sticking around through the show. Thank you to all everyone. We appreciate all of you, and thank you all for tuning in and getting high at 9 with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.